It was in the beginning of the reign of Malvagil of Arthedain that evil came to Arnor, for at that time the realm of Angmar rose in the north beyond the Enten Moors. Its land lay on both sides of the mountains, and there were gathered many evil men and orcs and other fell creatures. The lord of that land was known as the Witch King, but it was not known until later that he was indeed the chief of the Ringwraiths, who came north with the purpose of destroying the Dunedain and Arnor, seeing hope in their disunion while Gondor was strong. How's it going, guys? Hey, guys. How's it going? Welcome back. Keep on talking. I'm Danny J. This is Joel N. And we're coming back to you with our second installment of our cool three-part installment of The Kingdoms, Kingdoms of, of the Dunedain. Dunedain. Hell yeah. And today we're going to be talking about the Northern Kingdom, Arnor. Right. So uh, first part, we covered Numenor. That was the first kingdom. Uh, the second two, the, after the fall of Numenor, they founded the two kingdoms in Middle-earth known as Arnor in the north, Gondor in the south. Mm-hmm. We're going to cover Arnor today. Yeah, and so uh, this is a little little refresher uh, question here. So what we, uh, what we covered in the last episodes, we covered who the Dunedain were. Uh, we covered the creation of Numenor, the golden age of the Dunedain, the corruption of the Dunedain, the fall of Numenor. We covered Elendil, Anarion, and Isildur, and them sailing away with precious artifacts. And that's where we left you. Mm-hmm. They and, were getting uh, like helplessly thrown to the east. Right. So those are the kind of the precursor things. If you didn't listen to the last episode, um, it'd probably be a good idea to go back and do that. Check it out. I mean, the fall of Numenor is just a really cool story in general. Yeah, really cool. We I were mean, excited about it. It's like Atlantis in Tolkien's world on crack. Yeah. And it involves Sauron. So we're excited yeah, for it. And we're really excited about that episode. We recorded it like 15 minutes ago. It was, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Double header decay, guys. Yeah. All about the Dunedain. The Dunedain. So All today, right. talking yeah, about we're, Arnor? Yeah, we're talking about Arnor today. We left you with Elendil and his uh, sons in their nine ships sailing east, right? Um, and just as a reminder, they are bearing with them the seedling of Nimloth, the seven Palantiri, the seeing stones gifted to them by the Eldar, and presumably the Ring of Barrier, which we talked about in the last episode. There's no real clear-cut history of the Ring of Barrier for whatever reason, but we know it survives, so therefore it had to get out of Numenor somehow. And that's the only feasible way. That's the only feasible way. And uh, that was in the year uh, Second Age uh, 3319 that they sailed away toward Middle-earth. And uh, one year later, in 3320, Elendil lands in Middle-earth and establishes the Northern Kingdom, which he calls Arnor. And in this, we're probably going to keep referring to it as the Northern Kingdom, um, even though it is called Arnor. I, I prefer to call What do you prefer to call it, Joel? Do you call it Arnor? You call it? I go back and forth. Yeah, I suppose. I mostly call it Northern Kingdom. So Northern Kingdom is Arnor. Southern Kingdom is Gondor, guys. So... When you refer, hear us refer to it as such. Yeah, we'll also throw up some maps to accompany this just so you can see exactly where we're talking about. Right. Gondor is where you know it to be, more or less. It was a lot bigger. It was bigger then. At one point. And then Arnor is basically that huge region between uh, the Misty Mountains and the Blue Mountains, that area that, like, the Shire, Bree is all in the, that massive area. That that was all the Northern Kingdom at one point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Linda lands in 3320. 
in, uh, in the Grey Havens, and he proclaims something in Quenya. And I'm here to butcher that Quenya for you. Let's hear it. So here we go. Et eirelo endorena utelian sinome maruvan ar hildiniar ten ambar meta. And that translates to, Out of the great sea to Middle Earth I am come. In this place I will abide and my heirs into the ending of the world. It's really beautiful. It's really beautiful. And a little third age tie-in here in um, The Return of the King, especially the movie. Uh, Aragorn actually sings this at his coronation when he becomes the United King. King Elisar. King Elisar. Yeah, and he sings it. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah, that's the chant that he starts up after he, mm-hmm. he gets crowned and then everyone like quiets down and he starts chanting mm-hmm. that very song. That's that very song. So when they arrived in Middle-earth after the fall of Numenor, there was already a sizable immigrant population of Numenorians there because, uh, as we'd mentioned previously, the Numenorians went everywhere. Yeah, literally everywhere. Yeah, they really populated the coasts of Middle-earth. At one point, they had almost like a, a coastal empire, almost. Yeah. It's not quite as it was. They got attacked by Sauron a lot. So, but there was there were still a lot of remnant immigrants of Numenor. Yeah, definitely Numenorians living here, and they're they're most likely li- uh, living under uh, Gilgalad. Right. Yeah. As the men living in Middle Earth, they didn't really have their own kingdom. Mm-hmm. They they just kind of went with the Elven kingdoms that were there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like the Adain of old. Until now. Yeah. Until now. Now they have their own king, guys. Yeah. If you were to ask like Turin, who is your king? He'd be like, Oh, it's it's Fingon. You know. Right, High King of the Noldor at the time. Mm-hmm. But now we get to the kings of men. So yeah, there was our, our already the sizable uh, population of Numenorians, but they were also at this point starting to uh, intermingle with uh, uh, what we call middlemen, or uh, men of the Adine that didn't make the journey to Numenor. So this is when the blood starts to wane a little bit, because it's getting muddled. They say, yeah, when they started... Uh basically mating with lesser men. Mm-hmm. We don't like the term lesser well, yeah, men. Yeah, it sounds eugenicist and racist, and I just don't like it. I, right. I, I, I prefer the term middlemen. Middlemen. They're middlemen. Right. That's also an official term we use, so we're just going to go with that. Yeah, so middlemen. They start They start uh, intermingling with middlemen, and they lose a uh, little bit of their lifespan, and uh, I think at this point they start to be able to become sick. Right, yeah, because originally the Numenorians, that actually failed them before Numenorian even fell. Oh, that's right. That totally yeah. did fail them even back then. Yeah, home. when, right. when Numenor started to turn and they started losing some of those graces. But mm-hmm. So Elendil founds the uh, the capital of Arnor, the city of Anuminas, and that's in uh, SA, Second Age, 3320. And he uh, he ruled the he ruled the kingdom from there. And there are several other cities of note in Arnor. There's uh Fornost, which we'll get more into later, uh, Tharbad, um, Londyre, and Tirn Gorthod are some cities to name some. Yeah, Fornost comes to be one of the biggest ones out of that list, right? Yeah, Fornos is, is the longest surviving city of the, the north. So after the founding of the northern kingdom of Arnor, Elendil later goes down south and founds the southern kingdom of Gondor. Uh, but the people of Arnor, they were more of that of the remaining Edain. And if you remember back to the last episode, the Edain were basically the men that traveled into Beleriand and were faithful to the, to the elves. They were friendly. So the folks in the northern kingdom were mainly the Adain that lives in friendship with the Noldor and some of the faithful Numenorians left over. So all in all, the Northern Kingdom was a lot more in tune and knowledgeable of the Elder Days than the folks down in Gondor. In the Southern Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I imagine that Northern the Northern Kingdom would have been, been closer to what Numenor was like right. in its glory days. 
something pretty big happens in the first while uh, Arnor is still young. Actually, it's mm-hmm. their first. They're on their first king still. Elendil is still the high king. And that's a little something called the Last Alliance. And the Last Alliance was formed in Second Age, thirty four thirty, and it was uh, they're combating the growing threat of Sauron. Right. So this is after the initial ring scheme that happened in the the Second Age. They defeated Sauron once in the Second Age after he originally originally made the rings. Then he went to Numenor. He basically got defeated again, and now he's arisen again after that. And I think he's coming out of Mordor at this point, is he not? Yep, out of Mordor. Yep. And so the uh, the folks of Gilgalad once again align with the men that are now living in Middle-earth, and they form the Last Alliance. Yeah. And they spend two years gathering their forces. And um, after the two years are up, Elendil and Isildur meet Gilgalad on the Watchtower of Amun-Sul, which is what they call Weathertop in the movies. Mm-hmm. So Weathertop, yeah, is actually the ruins of an old Watchtower. Right, the old Watchtower of Amun-Sul. Amun-Sul. I'm pretty sure they actually have Aragorn point that out Does he point. say that? There yeah. used to be a Palantir there, too. Yeah, yeah. that was one of the Palantir, because originally when... They originally brought the Palantir over here. They actually used him yeah. in very useful ways, especially mm-hmm. in the in the northern and southern kingdoms. That was yeah. kind of men's way of communicating. That was how they, yeah, they communicated across the United Kingdom, yeah. Across the UK. The UK. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the listeners in the UK. What's up, guys? What's up, guys? Where are your Palantir? Uh, back to Gilgalad and Elendil and Isildur. So they meet on the Watchtower of Amun-Sul, and they take their forces down to Rivendell. Right. That's the first time that their forces officially all meet together, right? Mm-hmm. To talk right. about this problem. Yep. And then they yeah. go they go down to Rivendell where they uh, they stay for another, what was it, three years? Yep. Yeah, another three years. They uh, And um, this is the time period when um, Rivendell gets known as the Great Forge because you have all these armies. They're forging weapons there. They're training there. They're forming plans. They're doing siege stuff. Right. They're they're literally doing everything for it. So uh, this is a five year process so far. Yeah. They met up finally. They got all their you know different powers together. Go on down to Rivendell and start building up your your armies. Like training, getting your weapons. Oh yeah, getting it all ready to go. I mean that's a pretty sweet place to go. They've got a they've got a lot of good resources there. Mm-hmm. And so the hosts of Gilgalad and Lendil and Elrond. And we also should say the the forces of Kyrdan. Yeah, because Kyrdan is there. Yeah, he's one of the leaders as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we, you know. Yeah, the forces of Kyrdan from the from, from the, the coast from yeah. the Havens from Lindon. Yeah, um, yeah. So they travel down uh, down the Great River, where they're joined uh, by hosts of elves from Lorien and Greenwood. These are Nandor elves. Uh, you know, they're they're green elves. Right. So we had all the men getting together in the north, going down the Great River, and as they go south, they come across Lorien and. Greenlit, or what we'll know as Mirkwood. Mm-hmm. And everyone's just joining up in this alliance. Everybody's joining up. Except the, for the dwarves. Except for the dwarves. And Lorien is uh, is uh, led by somebody called Amdir, who's their king. And Greenwood is led by Orifer, who's the son, who's the father of uh, Thranduil, who's yeah. the king in The Hobbit. So that's, uh, yeah, Orifer is Legolas's grandfather. Exactly. So they go even further down the river after they meet up with Amdir from Lorien and Orifer from Greenwood. They go further down and they meet up with Anarion and the host of Numenorians from the southern kingdom of Gondor. Oh, yeah. They're really massing everyone up here, and they they really put it together well, actually. Yeah, and this is when Gondor's huge. Like, Gondor's huge. It's got a lot of cities, a lot of people. Yeah, Gondor's initial uh, kingdom size was just massive. We'll throw yeah. some maps up so that you can see, but it, it encompassed 
a larger, way further south than you'd think. It. I think they went down to, to the Bay Umbar. Of Umbar. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, Umbar was a was a Numenorean uh, port at one right. point. Yeah, all of Rohan was part of Gondor, and a lot of the northeastern portions. Just nobody really wanted Mordor. It just kind of like sat in the middle, yeah, and nobody fucked with it because it sucks. Because it sucks. Mordor does suck. Yeah, so we meet up with Anarian and the Numenorians, and now we're stacked, son. Yeah, we're everyone's stacked. stacked. And uh, the so. <laughs> This is we're not going to get into it, guys. We're not, we we could do a whole episode about the Last Alliance. So this is only a small part of the history of Arnor. So we're just right. going to say that it took a really, really long time, and it was a really, really hard fight. Right when they finally mounted the the battle against Sauron in Mordor against Mordor, there was a lot that happened, a lot of history, a lot of facts, a lot years, of people died. Yeah, years and years. Uh, it took I think like seven years to siege Barad-dûr. It, it took a long time. And a lot of people are killed. Yeah, so we might get into the Last Alliance kind of on its own episode later on. So we're just going to kind of go over what the results were. Yeah. So the hosts of Orifer and Amdir are utterly slaughtered. And those are the hosts, the uh, the corpses that are in the Dead Marshes now uh, are, are made up largely of Orifer's mm-hmm. forces. Um, so at that point, Thranduil becomes the king of the Greenwood and Amroth becomes the king of Lorien. Um, another thing that happens is, sadly, Anarion is killed. King of the South. King of the South is killed. He's killed by a rock that's shot from the height of Baradur from a catapult during the seven-year-long siege. That sucks. That really sucks, yeah. It does. And then, uh, again, sadly, Gilgalad, High King of the Noldor, is killed. He's yeah, a, that's really sad. This is yeah. a big turning point in the history of Middle-earth, period. Right. Period. And uh, he was also one of the, the bearers of the Three Rings. So his ring is entrusted to Elrond, who's his herald. I think this is the first time any of the ring bearers have died. And not only is it the first time any of the ring bearers have died, it's also the very last High King of the Noldor yep. period. Yeah, and he had the titles King of Lindon, King of the High, uh, High King of the Elves in Middle-earth, High King of the Noldor in Middle-earth, and those terms those those titles are never claimed by anyone else because they have no right, <laughs> right to claim those. Gilgalad was a really good leader, and he actually led for a really long, really time. long time. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, he's the son of Fingon. Yeah, yeah, losing the last High King of the Noldor. I mean, that stretches all the way back to First Age, pre-First Age. Mm-hmm. Like that is a major line of history that's just ended. And like we said Ooh, uh, in our last done. episode, kind of bridging the between the Age of Elves and the Age of Men is is a huge turning point, right? Um, because the uh, the the Noldor essentially have no leadership anymore, and they don't have a, a kingdom really after this. Anymore. Yeah, no, they don't. The Noldor don't really have their own kingdom. They no. have a few outposts, like I'm sure there are Noldor in Lindon with Círdan. Yeah, and yeah, then there for are, sure. there's a and sort then Rivendell. Of, is, Rivendell's yeah. kind of a haven, yeah. but the, there is no official kingdom of the Noldor anymore. No, yeah, they're just kind of uh, they're scattered around the population of uh, other elves. A really sad turning point in the history of Middle Earth. Because the Noldor have been a huge part of history for a long time. Right. Some some good things happen as well. Sauron is overthrown right. after this battle. His host is utterly defeated. They've all either been slaughtered or fled. Uh, Baradur was thrown down. Literally thrown down. But minus the, f- the foundations. But yeah, minus the foundations. The foundations remain, in, which is what leads Sauron to be able to build it up again in the Third Age. Do you think the foundations of Baradur... Is it at all reflective of Tolkien's overall idea of evil never really being vanquished? Yes, Joel, I do. I think that's a very astute observation, actually. Yes. Why? Thank you, sir. Yes. Um, yeah, so Sauron's physical form is destroyed, and his spirit flees to the southern Greenwood, which, because of him, later becomes known as Mirkwood. 
Right. This is kind of when it becomes a Merkwith. When he flees there, that's when evil, evil kind of starts to spread. It, it's not quite evident for a while, but... Mm-hmm. But it definitely becomes the Merkwood. Right. Um, another thing that happened, more sad news. Elendil is killed, and the High King ship of the Dunedain is passed to Isildur. And Narsil, the sword of the king, is broken. But Isildur does use the hilt shard to cut the ring from Sauron's hand, which uh, destroys his physical form and vanquishes him somewhat for a while. Yeah, for a while. But he also then claims the ring for his own, uh, ensnaring himself in the doom of the ring. Mm-hmm. Let's get into uh, some post-Last Alliance stuff. Yeah, so the fall of Sauron officially brings about the end of the Second Age. After the battle, Isildur takes hit the body of his father and his brother back to Minas Anor in the Southern Kingdom to more or less, he puts them in the tombs there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I think that's uh, where they keep mainly the bodies of the kings. Yeah. So he stayed in Minas Anor to give counsel and instruction to Meneldil, son of Anarion, who then went on to become king of the Southern Kingdom. Yeah, he was he was pretty young at the time, at least in the reckoning of the Numenorians. Right, hence needing a little bit of guidance. A little bit of guidance. He stayed there for, what was it, three years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, three years to help, help, help prepare him, to groom him, as it were. Right. But Isildur still kept the title of High King of both kingdoms which is the title that his father Elendil had. Because mm-hmm. uh, when Elendil came over, they uh, they founded the two kingdoms, but Elendil still remained the high king of both. Right. And so Elend- uh, Isildur now took on that title. Mm-hmm. And on September 5th, Third Age 2, Isildur sets out to make his way back to the Northern Kingdom, and he takes with him 200 Numenorean knights and his three eldest sons named Eritan, Kirion, and Elendur. And on this journey is when we run into what's known as the disaster of Gladden Fields. And yeah, this is a fucked up moment. It's a slaughter. Yeah. So Isildur and his men are attacked by orcs while crossing the Gladden Fields on their way to the High Pass of the Misty Mountains, which is the High Pass is the uh, where the hobbits were in the Hobbit where they crossed. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The, high the pass, pass of uh, Karak, I believe it's called. Yeah, the right. Yeah, right outside of uh, Rivendell, essentially. Right. Yeah. Yep. Just northeast. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they're, they're on their way to the high pass. They're outnumbered 10 to 1. So what happened, is like, oh, okay, this is very not good. So he takes uh, his esquire, Otar, and he sends him ahead to Rivendell. And he gives him the shards of Narsil. And like I said earlier, probably the ring of bear here. Presumably. Presumably the ring of bear here. Yeah, we had this conversation earlier, actually, because... So at this point in the history of the Dunedain, they're once again friendly with the elves so we'd assume that they'd be one of the leaders would be wearing the right ring. yeah you'd assume yeah right and two of the leaders just died elendil died and uh an arian died so even if who else is wearing the ring? right yeah. of the three of them two of them were dead so we know that Isildur would have gotten the ring at this point and we assume that he must have sent it off because what happens next because um his two younger sons are killed in the battle and then elendur his oldest son begs Isildur. Because he knows about the ring, and he's like, you need to take the ring, and you need to get out of here. Yeah, the one ring, the ring of power the we're one talking ring, about. The ring of power, which he cut from the ring of Sa- the hand of Sauron. So Isildur, because he's a valiant man, he's, uh, I mean, say what you want about him, he did refuse to, to, to destroy the ring, which is a moment of weakness, I would say. Mm-hmm. But also, um, he, he doesn't want to leave uh, Elendur and the rest of the Numenorians to be slaughtered. Right, he's faithful to his people. Yeah, but he reluctantly agrees because he knows it's important. And he flees wearing the ring. And Elendur and the remaining Dunedain are slaughtered. Every single one of them. And uh, 
Isildur uh, attempts to swim the great river. And what happens is the ring slips off his finger. And he emerges from the water. And there, I was actually reading something, uh, how it describes uh, him losing the ring as uh, he kind of feels glad for a moment that he lost it. Cause oh, a, really? Yeah, because there's a great burden has been lifted. And then he, he comes up out of the water, like, feeling kind of refreshed. And then he gets hot and shot by the arrows. Yeah. Yeah. So he becomes visible and he gets he gets killed by orc arrows. They just shoot him from the banks of the just river. Killed him. And that is the death of the, of the Sealder. And I don't think his body's ever found, is it? I don't think it is. But did you know that Saruman was secretly searching the Gladden Fields for the ring and he found I just read this yesterday. He found uh, one of the like the uh, royal jewels that Isildur wore. Oh, really? Yeah. So he did find some evidence. Yeah, some evidence of of, of Isildur. So whether or not he found his body or not, I'm not I'm not 100 sure. Yeah. So, but at that, knowing that Isildur was killed in the river, and we don't know what happens to his body, we assume that he must not have been wearing the ring of bearer here at that at moment, the time. Which yeah. is why we think he passed the ring of bearer here along with the shards of Narsil to his Otar, his Otar, Esquire, his Esquire. So with Isildur dead, the throne of the Northern Kingdom goes to Isildur's youngest son, Valandil, who was actually safe in Rivendell during the Last Alliance because he was too young to fight. Um, he takes the crown when he becomes uh, when he comes of age in the year Third Age 10. But this is uh, specifically different from Elendil and Isildur. He is not the he does not claim the crown of High King of both kingdoms like his father, like his father and grandfather, but only the Northern Kingdom. So what we get to, um, the, for some strange reason, the um, <laughs> the northern king is still referred to as high king, even though he has nothing to do with the southern the southern kingdom at that point. Mm-hmm. But the southern kingdom was just simply called king. So the two kingdoms are sundered at this point. The line of Isildur is running the north kingdom, and the line of Anarion in the south in the southern kingdom. They're still friendly with each other. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. They're totally sister kingdoms. They're but now they are actually separate. Separate. There entities, isn't any yeah. overall ruling entity. They're, they're separate kingdoms now. Yeah, and so the, the northern kingdom, which we know as Arnor, has, um, ten, had ten kings in all. Volandil ruled the longest with a reign of 247 years. Holy shit, that's a long time. That's even longer than most of the Numenorean kings when they yeah. had those extremely long lifespans. That's, that's crazy long. Yeah, most of the other kings at that time in Middle-earth ruled for around 50 to 100 years each. Yeah, almost right after the Last Alliance, the decline of the Northern Kingdom happens. Um, it's not it's not glorious for very long after <laughs> after Elendil and um, Isildur die. But Valandil, under them, they had some glory for, you know, 247 years. Yeah, that's a pretty long reign. Yeah. Yeah, corruption became a huge problem in the Northern Kingdom at that point. Uh, social and political unrest... Anuminas became depopulated, and the capital of Arnor was moved to Fornost in Third Age 861. And this is when we get the sundering of the Northern Kingdom. The tenth and last king of Arnor was Eärendur, who uh, reigned from 70, 777 Third Age to 861 Third Age. And that's uh, 84 years. And um, at the end, when he died, his, um, the, his three sons contested for the kingship. Normally, the eldest son would uh, take the throne, but uh, that was not so. And a uh, mini civil war broke out, and the kingdom was split into three kingdoms. Yeah, so now the northern kingdom of Arnor, is it still considered the northern kingdom at this point, or is it just called these three, the three separate? They call it the three separate ones from this. 
from okay, this time from this on, point on. Which is uh, uh the first one, which uh, Arthodyne is is more or less true Arnar. So Arthodyne was was um, ruled by the true king, okay. the, the eldest son. Gotcha. Which is why it's essentially true Arnor. Okay. Yeah, the eldest son of Eärendil, uh, named Amleth. He claimed rule of all Arnor, but uh, after the rather bloody conflict, he um, only laid claim to what he called Arthedain. And then there was also Cardolan and Rudaur. Right. So we got the Northern Kingdom broken up into essentially three kingdoms now. Three kingdoms, yeah. Arthedain, Cardolan, and Rudaur. At this point, we're still friendly with Gondor, are we not? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they don't like each other very much. Like, okay. But, <laughs> I mean, they're still, they still talk with Gondor and stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, then after the splitting of the Northern Kingdom into the three, then we get even more problems. We get the rise of the Kingdom of Angmar. Now, some of you might recognize that name. Uh, the, the, the region later known as Angmar was actually once home to many prosperous mining camps of the dwarves of the line of Durin. Yeah, Joel's favorite people. Woot! I, I love the line of Durin. They're great folks. Uh, but they were actually driven out of all of those mining colonies by orcs and other unknown evil creatures. So just so you get a taste, this land is kind of dark. Yeah. Yeah, and it uh, it straddles the Misty Mountains, and it's, uh, it's northeast of Arnor. Right. It's kind of like the northeast portion of that land. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then just directly northwest of uh, Mirkwood. Yep, just on the other side of the Misty Mountains from Mirkwood. So uh, Angmar was led by who we know as the Witch King, which uh, at that time was um, thought to be a pretty powerful sorcerer. Mm -hmm. But nobody knew until later on that it was actually the chief of the Ringwraiths sent to the north to destroy the northern kingdom of the Dunedain, which is what our uh, excerpt was about. Right. Yep. The coming of the kingdom of Angmar. So yeah, Angmar was uh, was founded uh, with its stronghold at Karn Doom in uh, Third Age. 1300. And that led to the inevitable war with Angmar. So during the reign of Malvigil, that's when the, the Witch King really rose to power. But it wasn't until his son Argalab? I say Argaleb. Argaleb? Yeah. So it wasn't until his son took the throne. Argaleb the first. There's oh another Argaleb. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't until his son Argaleb the first took the throne that Angmar really started to show any aggression towards the Dunedain. Uh, leading up to this point in the kingdom of Rudaur, one of those three northern kingdoms, uh, the line of the Dudendine had completely failed, and the kingdom was controlled by men loyal to the Witch King. Yeah, Rudaur is, um, yeah, the line is, is, is broken pretty quickly there, and mm-hmm. the Dunedine no longer control it, and it's, a, it's a, a vassal for the Witch King, essentially. Right, he basically extends his reign from Angmar to this like third portion of the northern kingdom. And his influence is so strong that Rudaur eventually eventually invades Arthedain in uh, Third Age, thirteen fifty six. And Argaleb the first is slain, and the armies of Card but the armies of Cardolan, who were still friendly with Arthedain at this point, helped maintain a line of defense against Angmar at the Weather Hills, um, which is where they kind of held them from, <clears throat> you know, sweeping out to the sea and destroying all the rest of the Northern Kingdom. Right, and at this point, we got a little bit of, of an alliance at the last second uh, between Cardolan and uh, the kings of Arthedain. And for a time, once again, it was called Arnor again. Yeah, they, uh, they reunited for a little bit and became Arnor again. Isn't that nice? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> that happens. But then, <laughs> then in the year... Shortly. Then shortly after, in 1409, Third Age, 
Angmar annexes and completely terminates the kingdom of Rudaur. It, uh, yeah, it's basically like, this is Angmar now. You're done. And in the same year in 1409, Angmar attacks Cardolan and Rivendell. Yeah, Rivendell it actually gets attacked at this yeah. point in time by the Witch King's forces. Because they've, I mean, they've uh, conquered so much of the Northern Kingdom lands now, they can, they can do almost what they want. They run right on down and try to attack Rivendell. Yeah. And so in this, uh, in this fight, uh, the Watchtower of Amunsul that we talked about is destroyed. And the men of Cardolan were forced back to their capital on the Barrow Downs. And then uh, a good chunk of the population also fled to Arthedain because fuck war-torn situations, right? Right, right. I I just really like this because it ties in with some of the some of the points that we know in the Lord of the Rings. Because mm-hmm. now the Watchtower of Amansul is Weathertop. Weathertop, yeah. as we yeah, know and, it, destroyed. Uh, the Shire is actually completely within the realm of Arnor, and right. the Hobbits actually swore they still swear fealty to the King of the North. Uh, so like. When when Aragorn becomes LSR, you know, High King again, they pledge loyalty to him, and um, they are living in uh, Arthedain at this point. Right, the Hobbits. And then also, like you mentioned a minute ago, uh, the men of Cardolan were forced back to their capital on the Barrow Downs. The Barrow Downs, yeah. Which uh, I'm sure most people who read the books will remember that that's where. The Barrow Rays are. The Barrow Rays are, yeah. And that's where we got our friends uh, Sam, Mary, Pepin, and Frodo almost got killed. Yeah. And they got saved by Tom Bombadil. By some angry sorcery left over from the Witch King. Right, yeah. They, I, I was reading something where they assumed that the, the Barrow Rays had something to do with uh, Fallen Kings. The Yeah, the Fallen Kings of Rudaur, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Fun fact for you. Fun fact. So, <clears throat> and then shortly after that, a couple hundred years later... Something pretty terrible happens, and this this goes across uh, both kingdoms. This is uh, the world of men is devastated by what was called the Great Plague, which came from Mordor, and it it, it that was in 1636, Third Age, and it destroyed like a good chunk of the population. Right, it like, just yeah devastated the yeah. population. Wasn't it like cut in half? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was bad. It was. I can't remember. I I read what it was. It was it was like Great Plague, like bubonic plague numbers. Like it, it was bad. Right, and that plague itself kills off the remainder of the people from Cardolan. Mm-hmm. So there goes one more of those three portions of the Northern Kingdom. So Arthedain is stands alone. Yeah, one of the kingdoms basically became part of Angmar, and the other one got attacked and basically killed off by a plague. Mm-hmm. And I've just got this tiny portion left. And in <clears throat> in the Third Age, nineteen seventy four, the Kingdom of Arthedain falls, and Fornost is taken by Angmar, and there is essentially no Northern Kingdom anymore. Every last part of the Northern Kingdom has now fallen. Yep, and that leads to one of the bigger battles uh, in uh, in the Third Age, uh, the Battle of Fornost. Yeah, this is one of the things that I don't know much about, so I was kind of excited about this episode, getting to learn so much about the Northern Kingdom. Yeah, Battle of Fornost is nuts. We should do a whole episode about it. It's it's pretty crazy. Um, but the the king of uh, the the last king of Arthedine, his name is Arvidui, right? Is that how you'd say that? That's how I'd pronounce it, Arvidui, and he's the last king of Arthedine, and he flees to uh, the the ice bay, which is called Forochel. Yeah, it's a bay that's just north of of the Havens, right? Of the Havens, yeah. So uh, if you're looking at a map of Middle Earth, we'll we'll post it up there. It's it's north of Lindon, the western coast, and it's north of the Northern Kingdom. It's literally like the north um, northern bay in Middle Earth. Yeah, it's an ice. It's on like the tip a, of the map, an ice shelf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he flees up there, and uh, 
there's a person, God, he's like the greatest character ever, and he sends a ship to rescue him. Hmm. Hmm. Ships. Who would send a ship? Maybe a shipwright? Yeah. Maybe Kyrdan, the friggin' shipwright? <laughs> Who else? <laughs> Who else? But Kyrdan sends a ship to rescue him. Uh, against the advice of the snowmen of Forochelle, who um, who live in the region, they told him not to get on that ship. Yeah, because at this point, the those uh, wild men of the north, the snowmen of Forochelle, they'd been kind of dealing with Angmar for a while, because mm-hmm. Angmar was pretty close. He was like right south of them. Yeah. And so they knew a lot about the evil of the Witch King. And he was like, right now, it's winter. It's... The Witch King's time. Yeah, it's the Witch King's like, hour. We would really advise not trying to go out and sail right now in the winter when the Witch King has so much rain over the land and like the weather and things. And mm-hmm. they're like, we got cured down the ship. Yeah. So something very, very important that he does, though, yep. is he takes my favorite artifact, the Ring of Barra here, and he gives it to the snowman and he says, he ransoms it essentially like, right. my people will pay you like a shitload of money for this. Right, because these northern men saved their lives. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they retreated north to this haven, and the northern men more or less saved them. So this is his... Uh, his token of... Gratitude. You. Yeah. As oftentimes, the Ring of Bear here becomes some kind of it a It is kind of always a token of gratitude, isn't it? Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, so he gives that... Uh, the Ring of Bear here gives it as a token to the wild men of the north. He uh, hops on a boat and goes out to Kirdan's ship, and what happens? Wouldn't you know it, the ship sinks and he drowns. All of a sudden, the weather just kind of goes to hell. And everything freezes over, and I think the the ship runs into like a it gets crushed between ice and things. Yeah, I think it gets crushed between sheets of ice or something like right, that. Right, and then they get stuck, and eventually they sink, and everyone dies. Everyone dies. At the end. But the Ring of Bear here survives. Yeah, which is um, leads us back to what is the line of kings, which does survive because um, he did have a son, and his name was. Aranarth, and uh, he became w- the first chieftain of the Dunedain because after that there are no kings anymore because they don't have a kingdom. So they decide not to rebuild their kingdom and kind of live like an exile in their own kingdom, essentially, as like uh, rangers. They become the rangers of the north or the, the Dunedain. So this is kind of when the Dunedain make their trans- finish their transformation into just the wandering rangers? Yep. Gotcha. So, yeah, and Aranarth is the first chieftain, and so he eventually does get the Ring of Bear here back because, as we know, Aragorn, who is later the chieftain of the Dunedain, has the ring. Right. So it right, got right. back to them somehow. Uh, yeah, actually, the Northern Men they uh, ransomed it with the at, with the Dunedain at some random point in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, so Aranarth, where was he during the? Was he in uh, Rivendell for a while? Is that how he survived? I, you know, I'm not certain, but yeah, he survived the fall of Arthurine. I know oftentimes... So, oftentimes they're hiding in Rivendell. The Riv- yeah, yeah, especially the, the Dunedain. If the young are hiding in Rivendell all the time when bad things are happening, mm-hmm. it feels it seems like. And so after the, the fall of Arthodyne, Gondor... So at this point, uh, something to mention is that the Palantir are no longer widely in use. So the southern kingdom has no means of... connect. Of I mean, there's traditional means of communication. Which r- takes a long r- time. It takes a long time. Especially compared to the Seeing Stone, right? Right, that's like a cell phone. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's yeah. Wow, it's a cell phone in the age of horse messengers. It's actually like FaceTime in the yeah, age of it's horse messengers. It's Feanorian FaceTime. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they're not using those anymore. So Gondor doesn't know that the North Kingdom has fallen. Right, the communication is not there like there once was. So they send a, 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 a pretty big host of men to help out. They sail down the Great River and set sail up the coast to Arnor. 
and they get there and uh, they discover it's too late. Um, and the, the the leader is uh, Prince. How do you say? It? Is it's it's Aranur? That's how I would say it. Yeah, Aranur. He is the last king of Gondor. Actually, he, he later on becomes the last king of Gondor. But we'll get to that in next week's episode about the, Gondor. About Gondor, the Southern Kingdom. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah, so Aranor, as soon as he gets there and realizes that he's too late, he is very upset. Oh, yeah. Very upset. And him and his forces, they utterly defeat the forces of Angmar and pushes the Witch King eastward. And this is, yeah, this is what becomes known as yeah, the Battle of Fornost, right? Yes. I believe so, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. This is all the Battle of Fornost. So as the Witch King flees east, uh, an army of elves from Rivendell, led by Glorfindel, cuts off his escape. And from there on, they yeah they basically got flanked, and the the forces of Angmar are more or less defeated right there. Are they not? Oh yeah, yeah. Once uh, Glorfindel shows up to smash the hammer and anvil, essentially, mm-hmm. yeah, it's all over. And a uh, fun little fact, like we were talking about the hobbits, um, they pledge loyalty to the kings of the north. Yeah, it is uh, hobbit at least by hobbit reckoning. There's no mention of this anywhere when you're reading the, about the histories of of Arnor. But hobbits insist that they sent archers to fight in the Battle of Fornost for the king. I'm not saying, I mean, there's nothing that says that anywhere, but the hobbits claim that they did. I believe them. They're supposed to be pretty good bowmen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're hunters and stuff. Yeah. yeah. From the scouring, there's a lot of really good bowmen. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But uh, anyway, so the, the forces of Angmar get flanked by the forces of Glorfindel from Rivendell, and they're utterly defeated. But the Witch King himself does... uh, Kind of the Sauron thing. He just slithers out and escapes. Slithers his slimy little body out of there. Yeah, and Ernur wants to pursue the Witch King because he's still absolutely fear. He oh, just yeah, wants to kill the guy. He's pissed, yeah. He's pissed that they totally eradicated their, like, sister kingdom to the north. Yeah. Like, that's, like, family. Yeah, and, like, it's gone. Like, the whole thing is gone. Like, he got there, and I think he expected them to be, like, you know, holding, fighting the good fight and whatnot. Right. And it, it was gone. Like, everything was gone, and right. everybody At this was point, dead. there's, like, three kingdoms up there, and yeah. they were and all, they're all gone. gone. Yeah. Just destroyed. Yeah, so he really wants to continue to chase down the Witch King and just kill him, but... But who but our buddy... Glorfindel holds him back and he says and he makes the the prophecy that we know of from the Lord of the Rings and uh, not by the hand of man shall he fall. Right. So this is the more or less foreshadowing of what happens at the Battle of Pelennor Fields. Right. When woman and hobbit team up to take down the Witch King. Which is a super badass scene. Which is uh, actually really cool. Uh, Another third age tie-in. So that sword that Mary used the only reason it was able to harm the Witch King is because it was made during this war when they made it specifically to be able to harm the Witch, the Witch King. King. Because the Witch King had all of his own uh, black magic and crap that would keep mm-hmm. people from being able to hurt him, like enchantments. Yeah, and, and it took a blade of Westerness, the blade of the Numenorians, which they got from the Barrow right mm-hmm. on the Barrow Downs, which we just learned. Look at this, guys. It's all fallen together, man. Yeah, we just learned that the Barrow Downs were one of the last holdouts of one of the northern portions of the kingdom that... Fell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and where all these no, that's where all these Numenorian artifacts came from. the The Northern Kingdom was uh, a lot more in tune with the Numenorian history than the Southern was. They had a lot of that stuff, mm-hmm. which is where the hobbits get all their badass swords. Uh, all of them carry those blades, and they're so cool. I'd still choose Sting. Oh yeah, no, I would cho- choose a Gondolinger blade over a Westerness blade any day. Hell any yeah. day, any day of the week. I don't know. I wonder what Frodo did with that sword because it's not like eh, throw this shit away. It's awful. It was a good sword, you know. Right. Uh, he left. He. I mean, he traded it when he was in Rivendell. Yeah. Did he give? Did he give Bilbo the other one? I'm not sure what he did with the other one. Here, man, take this sword. 
Take this shitty one. It's almost as good. Yeah. <laughs> this shitty sword. And we're looking at a sword <laughs> made by the men of Westerness, and we're like, this piece of shit <laughs> compared to this first age elven sword. I mean, Sting glows. I mean, yeah, it does. Come on. And it cuts spider webs really easily. Really well. Actually, it really cuts into a lot of things. I mean, it stabs oh, yeah. it stabs into the, the foot of that troll, that troll really well, yeah, too. Like, even when regular swords can't do it, he's just like... Yeah, Boromir notches his sword on the on the troll, and then Frodo comes up, and he's like, For the Shire! <laughs> stabs it. The hobbits cut deep. All right, so with uh, the witch, the escape of the Witch King, um, that's basically the fall of the Northern Kingdom. They never... Uh, Aranaf becomes the first chieftain of the Dunedain, which we mentioned. Right, no longer... Any kind of like ruler of a kingdom, he's just right. They're 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 technically a king, but there's really no kingdom, so they don't call them a king. Right, they're a line of kings with no kingdom. So now he's just a chieftain of a wandering people. Yeah, and they decide not to rebuild the northern kingdom, not uh, not because they don't want to. I assume that they just don't have the means to do that. Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine how much of the population has been wiped out by now with that massive plague, and then all of this war, war amongst each other, and then Angmar. Yeah, it's it's a mess. I don't think it's even possible. Yeah, and at th- so at this point, the the realm of Arnor is mostly empty, with with few exceptions. The hobbits are living in sh- in the Shire, which right. is old Arthedain, mm-hmm. and then the Breelanders, which is also in Arthedain. And those are two of the main places that the uh, Dunedain Rangers like to hang out. Continue to yeah, hang so, out well, and, and guard. They guard those places. Yeah, yeah they ceaselessly guard those places. I remember right. what Aragorn says at the was it, is it the Council of Elrond. Yeah, when he says uh, about Butterbur, I know a fat. What did you say? Like a, a fat old man that... A fat man in Bree. One fat man in Bree calls me a strider. Little does he know that he lives like so close to all this danger that would come and kill him if they had the chance. Yeah, that would like make his soul quake. Or so, like he lives a day's ride from... yeah. And yet we get no credit for this and no yeah. thanks. And he calls me strider. Yeah. We're going to yeah. get into our favorite chieftain of the Dunedain, Aragorn, in the, nep- in the episode after the next one. Right. Yeah, we're going to end our three-part uh, Dun- Kingdoms of the Dunedain series, and then we're going to go into a fourth episode that is uh, the story of Aragorn. Yeah, because he's uh, what ties in, uh, you know, spoiler alert, he's the next High King. Like, he's of both kingdoms. Spoiler alert. If you, yeah, if you don't know anything about Lord <laughs> of the Rings. Yeah, Aragorn's, uh, Aragorn's the guy. Yeah, he's the guy, man. He brings it all back together. And uh, so, yeah, he's Aragorn is the 16th chieftain of the Dunedain. So that means that there were, uh, in total, 16 chieftains over, over over the time of Dunedain Rangers, right? Right, right. Yep, from uh, yeah, from Aranath to Aragorn, there's 16 chieftains. And that's how the bloodline of the king survives, yeah. with no kingdom. Yeah, and we so we get to this weird juncture, like when Aragorn, uh, not to skip ahead to Aragorn, but when Aragorn does take the throne, we get to this point where there's a kingdom in the south, but no king. And uh, a king in the north, but no kingdom. Right. So they get to this weird juncture where they're like, maybe we can make this work again, you know? Right. And <laughs> it does work very it well. It does. Yeah. And we'll get to that, guys. But uh, that's all we've got for you for this portion about uh, the northern kingdom of uh, Arnor. Yeah. So some of the things we went over today in this episode, uh, the immigrations of the Numenorians to Middle-earth. The establishment of the two kingdoms, uh, one in Arnor and one in Gondor in the south. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Last Alliance. We talked about the sundering of the North Kingdom. The sundering of the, excuse me, sundering of the kingdom from south and north. And then we learned about the decline of Arnor. The sundering of the Northern Kingdom. The rise and fall of Angmar. A little bit about the Battle of Fornos. And then the overall fall of the Northern Kingdom. So that brings us down to the final of the three kingdoms of the Dunedain, Gondor. Gondor, which we'll be getting 
getting balls deep in Gondor next week. Oh yeah, tune oh, in, guys. Yeah. That final installment's going to be good. Yeah, Gondor's be- Gondor's got some rich history. Yeah, but that's all for Arnor, guys. Short story, sad. But something that I knew little about. I, I really enjoyed this one because this is one of those those subjects that I didn't know much about. So I was really excited to be able to get in and read some of this research and learn. I learned a lot from this. Yeah. So we were talking about this earlier. Um, me and Joel would very much like this new Amazon Lord of the Rings series to keep their hands off the Elder Days. Yeah, that's our territory. <laughs> that's our territory. We're going to be making the HBO miniseries of the Silmarillion years from now. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> it's a too far, far future. That's in like pre, pre, pre production. It's in pre, pre, pre production. But yeah, we were talking about how this would be a really cool story to tell in the Amazon series because it's third age, so it's not, um, you know, it's not Elder Days or anything like that. But also, it would really kind of help explain the setting for that the Lord of the Rings takes place in. You know, like this crumbling kingdom of the Dunedain. Right, right. Because they they said that it was going to be uh, pre fellowship. Which is definitely, yeah. Definitely right, but they're still calling it a Lord of the Rings, so I assume that means it takes place somewhere within or near the Third Age. I don't, it didn't, right. it didn't make it sound like they're going back to the Silmarillion, otherwise I assume they would have specifically Just called it so. that, yeah. yeah. So I'm assuming it's going to be Third Age stuff, so Third Age stuff pre-Fellowship, probably pre-Hobbit, I'm assuming is going to be the fall of the Northern Kingdom, and I'm excited for that. I think uh, it, it could be really cool. Right, you could make a, a hell of a miniseries out of, like, the the history of Arnor and Gondor and the fall of the Northern Kingdom, and this entire time when you get to go through this dramatic story, with these like multiple huge battles and wars that go on, you can constantly do what uh, Tolkien's work loves to do: reference this ancient history of the fall of Numenor. Right. Yeah. Just... And that's a really badass story that you can constantly reference, and then you get that uh, that that feel of just the world being already very old. Yeah. A lot of history. It's that's what I love so much about the Tolkien stuff. Yeah. Me too. Well, yeah, that's our hopes and dreams for this Amazon series, guys. Let us know what you feel about the Amazon series. We haven't really heard from you guys about it yet. Yeah. Um, Hit us up on uh, our uh, social media. Yeah. Facebook, Twitter. Whatever floats your boat. Whatever floats your boat. Um, but that's all for us. Uh, this has uh, been Keep on Tolkien. I'm Danny J. And this is Joel End. And as always, guys, keep on Tolkien. Keep on Tolkien. Aure in Turuba.